What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Tuesday, May 2nd. 2023. It's about 2.20 in the afternoon here on the East Coast of the United States. Here are your hot topics today as I see them, and they're really uh, very interesting. They range uh, from a senator, United States senator, accusing the Secretary of State of lying under oath. That, of course, of course, is called perjury, if ever to be were to be prosecuted for it to uh, an 11-year-old boy making one of the best defenses of the freedom of speech I have ever seen, to the Speaker of the House of Representatives at a press conference in Israel purporting to defend American policy in Ukraine, and of course he doesn't know what he's talking about, to some light on the horizon coming from the Supreme Court and whether or not an administrative agency can tell you that one of their agents has to be on your boat and you have to pay his salary. So here we go. Senator Ron Johnson, um, a bit of a maverick from uh, Wisconsin, uh, was on Fox uh, Business Network with my friend and former colleague Maria Bartiromo the other day, uh, and she was asking him about uh, Secretary of State Blinken. Now, normally, this is not something you'd ask about, and whether or not Secretary of State Blinken uh, had ever emailed uh, with Hunter Biden. Again, normally not something you'd ask about, except that late last week, the former head of the CIA, Mike Morrell, acting director uh, under uh, President Obama, a guy who worked his way up through the ranks of a CIA agents, I guess, by stealing and lying, which is what most of them do to advance themselves, uh, revealed that in October of 2020, he, Morell, at the request of Antony Blinken, then a senior official in the Biden campaign, put together a letter signed by 51 former intelligence uh, community professionals in various aspects of the government, but most of them CIA, saying that Hunter Biden's laptop had all the, the, the data about it and the comments about it bore all the earmarks of a, um, of a Russian disinformation campaign, and so you should disbelieve it. Morell now says that there was no evidence to back up that claim and that he and these um, intelligence community operatives uh, did this at the request of Tony Blinken. Tony Blinken, of course, uh, is the former chief of staff for Joe Biden, the former when, when he was in the Senate, the former chief of staff of the Senate Foreign uh, Relations Committee when uh, Senator Biden was the chair of that committee, uh, a former number two or three person in former Vice President Biden's campaign. These two are wedded at the hip, apparently, uh, and now, of course, uh, is the Secretary uh, of State. In the course of this information that Morell related 
to the House Judiciary Committee about Blinken asking for the letter in October of 2020, uh, Morell revealed a close relationship between Blinken and Hunter Biden. Normally, nothing wrong with that, unless, of course, you lie about it under oath. When uh, Tony Blinken had been nominated to become Secretary of State without a subpoena, he appeared uh, before the Senate Foreign Affairs uh, Committee for his initial confirmation hearing and told the committee, according to Senator Johnson, under oath, he never emailed uh, with Hunter Biden. Well, that Senate committee now has those emails. So did the Secretary of State lie? Or is there some other plausible non-criminal explanation for this? Here's Senator Ron Johnson late last week with my friend and former colleague on Fox Business, Maria Bartiromo. Take a listen. Anthony Blinken finally did come in and sit down for a voluntary transcribed interview in December of 2020 because he wanted to be Secretary of State. And now because of uh, more information that's come out, we know that he lied bold-faced to Congress about never emailing Hunter Biden. My guess is he told a bunch of other lies that uh, hopefully we'll be able to bring him and his wife back in, tell them to preserve their records. You cannot trust Joe Biden. You cannot trust Hunter Biden. You can't trust the Biden family. What do you do when you have, in effect, co-conspirators of the Biden family inside our intelligence agencies, the Department of Justice, the FBI, and you have the political party, the Democrats, who couldn't care less, have no interest whatsoever in the corruption that is being uncovered bit by bit as we pull back the uh, the layers of the onion here. Uh, a bit of hyperbole uh, in there, and I know sometimes Senator Johnson can get carried uh, away with things. The question is, is this a material lie? You know, if you lie about the time of day by five minutes, unless it's critical to your testimony, it's probably not a material lie. Was this a material lie? Well, it sounds as though the senators might not have confirmed him if they had known that he had a relationship with Hunter Biden, even though in December of 2020 now, that's when the testimony took place. It's a month after Joe Biden has been elected. There's very little out there about Hunter and the laptop, so it might not have been considered serious at the time. What is very serious, however, and which is why I bring it to your attention, is for a member of Congress to accuse a sitting cabinet member of having lied under oath. You've probably heard me say this before. Uh, the last person prosecuted for lying to Congress was, do you know? Roger Clemens, the great Yankee pitcher, who was indicted for lying to Congress about, and tell me if this is material or not, the contents of his urine. He was tried twice. The first trial was a hung jury. The second trial, he was acquitted. I'm a big Yankee fan. I'm a fan of Roger Clemens. I was glad he was acquitted, but it's absurd that he should have been uh, prosecuted uh, for that. If I had been his lawyer, I would have said to the congressman, asking him about his urine, my client plays a child's game. You guys write the laws of the land. What's in your urine? It's none of my business, just like it's none of your business. What's in his urine? Will they prosecute Secretary of State Blinken for lying under oath during his Senate confirmation hearing about whether or not he emailed with Hunter Biden? Don't hold your breath. Oh, and the reason for the mention of his wife is his wife works in the White House. So the allegation is that somehow she's involved in covering up the Hunter Biden stuff uh, as well. 
recently a young student uh, was kicked out of a class, 11-year-old boy, for wearing a T-shirt that said there are only two genders. And the uh, Board of Education allowed the boy to address the board at an evening meeting. We're going to play exactly what he said and everything that he said. It's only about two minutes long. It's heartwarming to watch this. But first, a little bit uh, about the law. The law says that students, even at age 11, have First Amendment rights. However, they are subject to the mission of the school, meaning if the student expresses uh, an opinion uh, protected by the First Amendment, which interferes with the mission of the school, the delivery of educational services to students, then the school can punish the student. But if the student is silently expressing an opinion and there is no evidence of disruption, then the student's opinion stands. There are two famous cases on this. Uh, one involves a belt buckle, which opposed the war in Vietnam. It's called Tinker versus Des Moines. This is a Vietnam-era case, which is a full-throated defense of the right of students to express their political opinion. The other is the infamous decision called Bong Hits for Jesus. That's not the name of the case. This kid held a sign saying Bong Hits for Jesus. I mean, what does that mean? That's really nonsensical. And the sign was off-school property and out-of-school hours, but it was at a school event. It was at a school parade. And the school disciplined him because he said it, they said it was encouraging illegal activity. Bong hits meaning smoke marijuana and do it for Jesus. It's kind of ridiculous, uh, but it was an expression of a unique position of the relationship between Jesus and marijuana, if there is one in this kid's mind. He was uh, suspended. The suspension was upheld by the Supreme Court. But the Supreme Court reiterated the same principle. If... Uh, it is protected uh, political speech, and it is not disruptive, then the student can't be prosecuted. Here is this young man. Watch and listen to one of the most articulate defenses, certainly the most I have heard from a child, of the freedom of speech. Good evening. My name is Liam Morrison. I'm in the 7th, 10th grade at Nichols Middle School. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you today. I never thought that the shirt I wore to school on March 21st would lead me to speak with you today. On that Tuesday morning, I was taken out of gym class to sit down with two adults for what turned out to be a very uncomfortable talk. I was told that people were complaining about the words on my shirt, that my shirt was making some students feel unsafe. Yes, words on a shirt made people feel unsafe. They told me that I wasn't in trouble, but it sure felt like I was. I told I was told that I would need to remove my shirt before I could return to class. When I nicely told them that I didn't want to do that, they called my father. Thankfully, my dad supported my decisions and came to pick me up. What did my shirt say? Five simple words. There are only two genders. Nothing harmful, nothing threatening. Just a statement I believe to be a fact. I have been told that my shirt was targeting a protected class. Who is this protected class? Are their feelings more important than my rights? I don't complain when I see pride flags and diversity posters hung throughout the school. Do you know why? Because others have a right to their beliefs just as I do. Not one person, staff, or student told me that they were bothered by what I was wearing. Actually, just the opposite. Several kids told me that they supported my actions and that they wanted one too. 
I experienced... Wait, no. I was told that the shirt was a disruption to learning. No one got up and stormed out of class. No one burst into tears. I'm sure I would have noticed if they had. I experienced disruptions to my learning every day. Kids acting out in class are a disruption, yet nothing is done. Why do the rules apply to one, yet not another? I feel like these adults were telling me that it wasn't okay for me to have an opposing view. Their arguments were weak, in my opinion. I didn't go to school that day to hurt feelings or cause trouble. I have learned a lot from this experience. I learned that a lot of other students share my view. I learned that adults don't always do the right thing or make the right decisions. I know that I have a right to wear those five, a shirt with those five words. Even at 12 years old, I have my own political opinions and I have a right to express those opinions. Even at school, this right is called the First Amendment to the Constitution. Wow. God bless him. Beautifully, wonderfully uh, articulated uh, argument in favor of the freedom of speech. He did point out something I think that's fascinating, feelings versus rights. A right is a natural gift, the right to think as you wish, to say what you think, to publish what you say. It comes from our humanities. Feelings are your sensitivity to other people's exercise of their rights. There is no right not to be, an, not to be offended. There is a right to express whatever you believe about whatever you want. The answer to your offense is to wear a t-shirt expressing your rights. I happen to agree with the young boy. There are only two genders. Some people would say two sexes. The words have been used uh, interchangeably today, but you get the point. I also happen to believe that a mature adult owns his or her own body. And if you wanna have your body butchered by a butcher calling himself a doctor, you can go ahead and do it. I think it's morally uh, repellent, but you have the right to do what you want with your body because you own it. The government does not. In terms of uh, him expressing that opinion, even if he expressed an opinion with which I disagreed, I would defend his right uh, to do it. I disagree with what you say, but will defend to the death uh, your right to say it. In this case, I happen to agree with him, and I loved the way he expressed they a defense for his right to wear whatever t-shirt he wants the speaker of the house of representatives uh kevin mccarthy with whom i disagree on many things and certainly on this that i'm about to discuss with you uh spoke before the knesset that's the israeli parliament uh earlier today uh and at the end of his um uh comments he went to another uh, room uh, and held a press conference, and one of the uh, questioners uh, was a an English-speaking Russian journalist who covers the Israeli Knesset for a Russian uh, publication, uh, but made sure that he was there uh, to question uh, Kevin McCarthy. And McCarthy, uh, who once said uh, about Ukraine, uh, "Don't, Mr. Zelensky, don't think this is a blank check," uh, gave some indication that maybe there are Republicans in Congress who oppose the blank check. Well, it turns out this was just a statement by a two-bit political hack, Mr. McCarthy, uh, in an effort to win over libertarian and conservative Republican votes in the House uh, from members of Congress who truly do oppose the war uh, in Ukraine. The idea that somehow this um, affects American national security has never effectively uh, been articulated. The war in Ukraine, the American support for the war in Ukraine is just an effort to create another vassal state 
subject to the United States uh, of America. Oh, there are the Victoria Newlands of the world who fancifully believe that Ukraine's going to win this war. It's going to drive Vladimir Putin from office. She, who fomented the uh, coup in 2014, that threw out the popularly elected president of Ukraine, who was uh, beginning an alliance with the Russians. She, who instigated the uh, impeachment of Donald Trump, the first impeachment, the one over the communications with uh, Vladimir Zelensky. Kevin McCarthy is in camp with all of these people. Here's what he said. Did he say, I don't support aid to Ukraine? No, I vote for aid for Ukraine. I support aid for Ukraine. I do not support what your country has done you to, to Ukraine. I do not support your killing of the children either. And I think for one standpoint, you should pull out. And I don't think it's right. And we will continue to support because the rest of the world sees it just as it is. Most of the world sees it as uh, Americans fighting Russians without a congressional authorization, Mr. Speaker. Interesting, over his shoulder, I don't know who the lady was. The two guys are both members of Congress from New Jersey and both uh, friends of mine, although my voting records would hardly be uh, near theirs. Uh, the uh, younger and taller of the two is Tom Kane Jr., uh, whose father, um, one of the great governors of New Jersey, uh, gave me my first appointment uh, to the bench back when I was 36 years old. Uh, the other is Josh uh, Gottheimer, who is my uh, congressman. Uh, both are moderates. Uh, Tom Kane is a moderate uh, Republican, and Josh Gottheimer is a, a moderate Democrat. That means that the two of them vote uh, the same way. They're both in favor of big government. They'll both they'll both vote on almost any way that uh, the big government crowd, the pro-war crowd in the House of Representatives wants them to. And apparently uh, the United States government is just going to continue to pour money down this black hole of money to Ukraine. That was a full-throated, though ill-advised, misadvised, ignorant, and incompetent defense of sending $113 billion to Ukraine made by the leading Republican uh, in the Congress and the, the leader of the Republicans in the House of Representatives, and under the law, the leader of the House of Representatives, the Speaker of the House, uh, Kevin McCarthy. He was actually lauded on MSNBC. Uh, the, the, the comments were yesterday. I misspoke when I said they were today, because he was lauded this morning on MSNBC, which ran a longer version of that clip. Uh, and my friends Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski praised him to the skies. Joe and Mika are still my friends. I doubt that Kevin McCarthy is my friend. He is unworthy uh, of the support of anybody who believes in limited government and maximum individual liberty. Finally, the Supreme Court uh, announced yesterday that it will hear a case on the Chevron doctrine. What's that? Okay. It's a technical phrase. It comes from a Supreme Court opinion involving Chevron, the large oil company, which since it's been bought out uh, by Exxon uh, Mobil. But this Chevron case, in the Chevron case, from which the name and the jurisprudential theory, the Chevron Doctrine comes, says that when an administrative agency like the EPA or the FDA or the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms uh, promulgates a rule and the rule is challenged, 
the courts should presume that the rule is valid, that there's a scientific purpose for it, and the challenger has to disprove the validity of the rule. The, the administrative agency does not have to prove the validity of the rule. So under the Chevron doctrine, if you challenge the EPA and you go into court, you don't go in as equals. Criminal case, you go in as equals. Civil litigation, you go in as equals. Challenging an administrative agency, the agency's up here, you're down here because the court will presume that what the agency did was correct. So you have uh, uh, some water in your front yard. It's 10 feet uh, wide and 15 feet long and maybe about uh, 10 inches deep. And from time to time, some water bubbles up from the earth and keeps filling this thing up. You and I and the whole world would call it by its true name, a mud puddle. The EPA would come along if they got the legal right to come on your property and say, well, that's not a mud puddle. That's a navigable water. Navigable water. Yes, because in the EPA's opinion, it's connected by a very, very tiny two inch wide uh, bubbling up of water. And that's connected to the water table and that's connected to a stream and that's connected to uh, a larger stream and that's connected to a river on which people sail with sailboats and canoes. And therefore, everything connected to that river, including your mud puddle, is a navigable water. So when that argument was brought into court, the court said, sorry, under the Chevron doctrine, the EPA is presumed accurate. You, farmer who challenged the regulation, will have to demonstrate that the EPA used improper science. Now, requiring the farmer to do that is going to put him through an expense where he'll probably say, the hell with it, I'll let them regulate uh, the mud puddle. Now that the Chevron doctrine is probably going to be overturned by the Supreme Court, the EPA and the challengers are in the same boat. Why do I say boat? Well, the case challenging it has to do with a boat. So the Bureau of Maritime Fisheries, ever heard of it? Yeah, it's one of those administrative agencies that tells fishermen how many fish they can take out of the sea. And they base that on scientific expertise. The Bureau of Maritime Fisheries says to a fisherman off the uh, coast of Maine, we're worried you're taking too many fish. So we're going to put an agent from our bureau on your boat and you're going to have to pay his salary. So a bunch of fishermen challenged it. So we have very small boats. We don't have room for another person. We certainly don't have room for a federal agent on our boat. And we're certainly not going to pay the salary of a federal agent just because you said we have to. Then they promulgated a rule saying that they could do it. So that rule is now going to be challenged before the Supreme Court of the United States. The fishermen lost at the trial court and lost at the appellate court because they followed the Chevron doctrine. But once this case gets to the Supreme Court, I think the Chevron doctrine will be thrown overboard, so to speak. Why do we have a Chevron doctrine? Same reason that we have presidents starting wars without congressional declarations of war, because Congress doesn't do its job, because Congress looks the other way when the president starts a war like Joe Biden has against Russia in Ukraine, and Congress looks the other way when an administrative agency writes a regulation that has the force and power of the law that regulates human behavior and the people on whom the regulation is being enforced 
have not had the opportunity to vote for the people that write the law. At least when Congress writes a bad law, you can vote Congress out of office, but you can't vote the bureaucrats of the EPA out of office because they're the same people, whether Barack Obama or Donald Trump or Joe Biden is president of the United States and they have that same big government, we will tell you how to live mindset. As long as they have the Chevron doctrine, they do. But once this great cocktail party conversation for you this weekend, what do you think about the Chevron doctrine? Once the Chevron doctrine is gone, the EPA and the FDA and the BATF and all those nameless, faceless bureaucrats that love to tell us how to live will have to fend for themselves. More as we get it. That's a mouthful or an earful. Judge Napolitano for judging freedom.